Jai Guru, everyone. Jai Guru. And welcome to a rather sparse Yogananda podcast today. <laughs> we do not have our dear uh, companions, friends, Lauren and Mike with us today, but they are here with us in spirit. But we do have Gruesome Tusa and myself and Priyank. We got the memo of the blue, the blue shirt, the blue t-shirts there. Why? We are here holding the fort and continuing with chapter 10 of the Autobiography of a Yogi, line by line, where we're in part two. Um, and we are continuing from a very interesting, slightly longer part that we covered last uh, last episode, a couple of pages of the first um, chapter, or chapter 10, sorry, um, where Yogananda essentially was, you know, falling back on guidance of, of God to get himself through some of the uh, literal tests in life that he had through, through schooling. Um, and he did very, very well uh, on, on that. So we're continuing on from this leg of Yogananda's life and, and his journey. Um, and it's a, a short part that we'll cover today. And if you do want to read on uh, along with us, you can start from the line that says, in my new dignity, and you can finish with us at um, the description of Swami Dayananda on the line, his fair face had a Buddha-like composure. So if you want to pause and re read along, we're going to cover a shorter but quite action-packed part today. So jumping into it, we are really looking at quite an interesting, pivotal, I don't know how to describe it really, but quite a monumentous time where there was a lot of build up to this point, really where Yogananda is finally, you know, openly planning to leave home. You know, there's no sort of smoke and mirrors and sort of running away with friends at a certain time and changing clothes. And there's no deception. He's, he's open to discussing his plans to leave home. And I suppose this comes with the territory of being a little bit little bit older he's he's now a bit more independent and you know he's done the duties of of his schooling and so on his education so he's getting to that point where it is uh, it is about time that maybe he's looking to follow his own dreams and passions so he's openly talking about it now Priyank. yeah but uh in a bit of a brazen way like a brazenly youthful way that only the youthful do um with uh I like in my new dignity. I was openly before it was obviously lots of secrets where he uh, tried to sneak away <laughs> to the Himalayas and other places. Whereas now he's um, embraced his uh, right to do so. <laughs> Would you say? Yeah, yeah. He's he's definitely he's definitely embracing, and much to maybe much to his father's dismay. We're going to look at this in a little bit more detail. He has not given up the the goal, you know, the hope um, of becoming uh, a monk or at least following his spiritual path. So he is, um, yeah, he's focused and he's pursuing that path wholeheartedly. And he, he, we let's assume that he's eighteen at this stage. <clears throat> um, for a Western audience, um, an eighteen-year-old saying "I'm leaving home now" is probably nothing. To be surprised at really because he's an adult now and he's got a if he's got a job he can move away or go to university and all those things um but in india 
their children intend no not tend to they definitely do live with their parents till marriage so to leave the home is uh is is not only is it um frowned upon in a way because you're neglecting your family responsibilities it's a little bit taboo um culturally so it, you know the fact that he's made a big deal about this and far later on father gets quite um sad um is uh, is because of that cultural uh, thing that's there in india even to this day yeah and even though we've got a couple of quotes or passages today from mejda and even though he sort of said is mejda does that mean sort of middle <laughs> you know what does that mean he's the second oldest of eight yeah right so you know he is one of the elder um siblings um and uh, certainly would be looked to for that leadership role and you know for the um, for the guidance really of the rest of the of the family and uh, we're going to talk talk about the family in a little bit more detail uh, on this uh, episode. So really, we see that Yogananda does have an accomplice this time, so maybe not much has changed. <laughs> he has Jitendra, um, and there's a note here to say in the footnotes that this wasn't. Uh, Josh and Gosh, uh, Jatin, Jatinda, uh, who was uh, the uh, very in a very funny story where he um, had an aversion to tigers and he sort of went ashen face and thought, well, you know, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to be there trying to tame these tigers into pussycats. So um, not that Jatinda, but this is Jatindra. Um, so he has a has somebody to. Know, to leave home with and, and go in, in pursuit of God and on the spiritual path. And so he decides to join a hermitage in Benares. And this, um, this is uh, quite a pivotal moment. You know, this uh, hermitage we're going to talk about um, in a little bit more detail, of course. Um, and we can, we can delve, delve into that in a minute. But Frank, Yeah. There's a quite a nice section in Swami Satyananda's book, um, Param, you know, Yogananda as I knew him in the biography of, of Yogananda. Swami Satyananda, once again, is the principal of, you know, Branchi school later on. So one of his really important childhood friends, Guruji's childhood friends. And in his book, he writes about this very moment. <clears throat> he says, he spoke of his feelings of renunciation, particularly with, particularly with Jitendra. And both of them decided for the time being that they would leave home and go to live in the Bharat Dharma Mahamandal in Banaras, which uh, Chris is going to talk about in a little while. Um, Mukunda gave away his books here and there, sold some of them, and prepared to get ready to go to Banaras. At his instruction, Jitendranath went to Banaras before him. Now there was no running away in secret, and Mukunda spoke about his plan to his father. His father tried in many ways to get him to, to let go of this idea, but his efforts were fruitless. Even Shastri Mahashai tried to prevent him from leaving home at that time by presenting him with many kinds of reasons and wisdom. Um, Shastri Mahashai, you'll remember, is his uh, Sanskrit uh, tutor, um, which, was, uh, which he talked about in a few, few chapters ago. Uh, but Makunda was unmovable in his focus of vairagya. So this is his vairagya, essentially renunciation or ascetic asceticism. Um, and he said, Swami Satyananda finishes, when this was happening, he all of a sudden sang out a Bengali song right in front of his, right in front of his father, which was about 
in quotes, why the delay or why delay now is the time essentially. So mm -hmm. quite a nice little um, uh, reflection on that important moment from his friend, Swami Satyananda. Yeah, yeah, it's a great, great little passage there. Um, thanks for pulling that out, Frank. And it's a good book. Have you read all of that book? I have, yes. Yeah, good nice. book. Worth it. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice, great. Um, there's so much nice reading material around the autobiography of a yogi. Um, yeah, I'm glad that we can pull in, uh, pull in some of it to the analysis of this line by line of autobiography. Yogi mm. Mechta is another great, great um, source mm. as well. So yeah, it adds, adds a lot of color to what's happening. And if you think about it, you know, you, uh, you've talked about it yourself, Brianne, about finding a guru and this spiritual path journey is quite sort of fraught at times with uncertainty of, you know, where do I go? You know, what teacher should I follow? And I thought to myself, wow, I wonder how Yogananda actually chose this heritage. You know, why did he actually single out um, these these people to to as he says receive its spiritual discipline um now if you put yourself into the context of the time early 20th century end of the um sorry 21st century end of the 20th century um really it's a time where the british are in india and there is a rule there and there's a lot of conversion from say hinduism to catholic faith or christianity sorry um and that would have been met with some resistance in some way that the orthodoxy of the sort of spiritual you know doctrine at the time that was challenged and that was trying to be replaced by you know not only the christianity but the language as well right so english speaking language so, so it was going to be a time of turmoil and there was certainly a movement of people that were passionate about trying to remain in some hindu sort of orthodoxy um, that we'll sort of talk about um, in, in a moment. But so this was the hermitage. So if we look at the hermitage of what it was, the Bharat Dharma uh, Mahamandala. So that was a prominent Hindu organization. And it was founded by, he was a scholar, sort of a well-known scholar in Sanskrit and many, many others um, called Pandit Din Dayalu Sharma in Hardwar. And that was in 1887. So that was later moved to Benares, uh, the headquarters. Was, was moved um i think uh yeah he later went on to found the hindu college in delhi in 1899 so that here's someone um who was very passionate about trying to keep the roots let's say of, of india um you know uh there uh, and and not lost to the sort of sands of time as it were and the changes that were going on at the time um frank i'll, I'll come to you before i continue yeah, just uh, reflecting on what you just said. <clears throat> so, firstly, Bharat Dharma Mahamandal means um, the great circle of Dharma in India. Uh, Bharat being the ancient word for, well, ancient name for India. And um, as you mentioned, yeah, there was, um, you know, some, uh, this is some fight back essentially from the uh, Western uh, ideology on philosophy and religion. Um, but also there were, grassroots organizations that tried to do a bit of both um essentially um and you know i mentioned brahm or samaj previously that uh, vivekananda was part of and um and master masha was part of as well before he became you know become before they pledged their allegiance to ram krishna paramhansa but there was another similar organization called arya samaj 
which um kind of tried to retain some of hinduism and uh, trying to uh, trying to push away push back against um some of the injustice parts of it you know like the caste or other uh, you know caste system and child marriages or all the all the kind of stuff that you wouldn't um, associate with modern modern society so that that was that and this organization as chris rightly said is um the bharat maha mandal he um they tried to basically fight back and um basically say that you know there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a place for um ancient indian thought in modern day um you know living and so the and they try to preach like re-preach the, the importance of the principles of sanatan dharma which we'll talk about later and and essentially just all, all around uh, bring bring out and bringing back the ancient ideals that have kind of been suppressed or lost um and into a bring putting in putting it into a new light um, everything from you know ashrams to educational institutions um, to temples um so lots of uh, they touched a lot of uh, the different um, elements of the culture yeah and <clears throat> so i mentioned it was 1887 where it was founded in hardwar but moved to benares and it was 1905 so a little bit of time later moved moved to Benares. And in 1902, um, so maybe had something to do with uh, do with some of the move to Benares. Um, it was given a new direction and vision by Swami Yananda, which we're going to talk about um, uh, in a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, there was others you know, in the organization that helped to sort of push um, push the organization along to by the devotees, the patrons, the, the disciples. Um, to, to give it a new direction. Um, but this was the organization, the hermitage, that our guru, Yogananda, was very much interested. And it does make a lot of sense to me, Frank, you know, he's um, been fiercely loyal um, and passionate about India, um, or Bharat, um, uh, to, uh, <laughs> you know, to say um, that they were his last words, really, weren't they, that mm. came out of his mouth. So. Um, yeah, very, very, um, very much in line actually with with uh, what I would expect Yogananda would be interested at that time in following. You mentioned uh, Swami Gyanananda, um, and who you know took over and who was in charge of this hermitage, where that uh, Yogananda took part of. And then later in this uh, section, we're going to talk about Swami Dayananda. So just uh, this differentiate between the, the the head of the organization, which is uh, Gyanananda, and of him, of which there's a picture of him later in the book when when Guruji comes back to um, India when he's you know in the 1930s when he comes back to India and um, he visits all the, you know all the various saints and sages around India and there's a picture of Yogananda sitting him at his feet. So that's later in the book, but obviously that's. Uh, the head Swami Gyanananda, um, as we're mentioning here, um, which is different from Dayananda, which uh, was in charge of basically a manager in charge of the ashram and the boys, which uh, we're going to talk about much more in, in this chapter about him. Frank, do you mind me saying that you're going to do a big journey, a big travel um, oh, yes. world to, to India? Yeah. Uh, that's coming up soon. Are you going to hit Banaras up? Of course, of course, um, can't leave that out. Um, so I'm, I'm essentially going to, uh, if people have seen um, 
seen the the the, Diana, the Diamata short film in his footsteps, uh, where she does a you know trip around all the places that uh, Guruji went to when he went back to India. Um, I'm also going to hopefully do that same thing. Yes. Uh, it'll be in a, in a couple of weeks, so uh, I'll yes. keep you guys updated on that, and hopefully I can carry on joining the podcast during that time. Yeah, yeah, do some vlogging, video yeah. vlogging. Yes. where you go we'd, we'd all want to to see and follow follow along with you mm-hmm. yeah there's some nice pictures online really of the hermitage in Benares and you know, it looks it's this because kind of bright um sort of orangey red um colored building you know very very lovely building from the outside certainly um and there's some nice pictures there um of it uh so yeah very colorful sort of bright big um building um maybe maybe you can go take a, a brand new picture of it when you're over there <laughs> yeah i'll do uh you, you mentioned that it's in banaras and you'll know that um later on in the footnotes banaras is uh, also called varanasi the ancient name kashi as well and um that was also the spot of lady Mahashaya's home um so you're gonna never mention this but i'm sure he went to uh <laughs> to take <laughs> pilgrimage of uh, Master Lahir Mahasaya's home there because that, that organization or spin-offs organizations from uh, Lahir Mahasaya's children and other associates kind of still kind of carried on so it would have there would have been some elements of uh, satsangas and other things that are happening which would have been down the road so no doubt he would have gone there but uh, that's mm-hmm. you know we don't know <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, he did. He has he hasn't mentioned. Um, he hasn't mentioned that, has he? Um, it wouldn't be in the book at all. It's not in there. No, uh, the covers no, no. Um, interesting. Well, Yogananda is reflecting on then on this time that he was leaving um, to to take uh, the spiritual discipline um, at this new hermitage, but it wasn't easy for him. He really, as it says here, a desolation fell over him on uh, one day when he thought about the se- separating himself really from his family. And um, uh, since his, his mum passed, he had grown very um, close, um, very, uh, he had tender sort of feelings towards his younger brothers and sister. Um, Famu and the two brothers, uh, Sananda and Vishnu. Um, and, you know, there's not much actually in the book of these three at all, really. It doesn't actually go into... A lot of detail about any stories or any, anything related to, to his family um, uh, beyond his sort of elder brother who <laughs> sort of chased him around a few times <laughs> already and as we've seen in autobiography of Yogi. Um, so you know there's a little bit that we can talk about here um, and uh, I, I managed to to pull out um, a couple of stories but I'll, I'll cover um, there's one quick quickly here on Vishnu if you search Vishnu Vishnu Charan Ghosh uh, on, online, you'll see some very impressive pictures of an Indian bodybuilder. And he was known for his Hatha yoga, uh, yoga as well. And so in 1923, uh, he founded the College of Physical Education in Calcutta. So he, re- he was a very impressive figure, um, albeit himself. Uh, he was very influenced by Yogananda. So he says that, you know, Yogananda's method of Yogoda um, with the body perfection by the will and a lot of the um, asanas and the, the hatha, hatha yoga itself 
very much to influence him uh, and how he approached the bodybuilding and the muscle manipulation techniques techniques that Yogananda taught him. So here's somebody who's went in a slightly different way, of course, to, to Yogananda, didn't go down the route of being a monk, but uh, in his own right, a very impressive uh, figure, very influential uh, as well. Yeah, pretty cool. Looks quite a lot like uh, Guruji as well, which yeah. is quite nice. Um, and a lot of his um, siblings and like um, nieces and nephews do actually have that kind of same sort of look, just like him and his mother do. <laughs> Genes are strong. Uh, but Vishnu is, uh, also appears in various of the old archival films that we have. Like from, I think it's like glimpses of a life divine. Um, Vishnu is is very prominent with Guruji, like behind him and walking with him when he goes to India. He might also have been in the Awake um, film as well, as well. So uh, yeah, you can you can definitely recognize him. That's for sure. Whereas mm. with Sananda, you can't really recognize him that much. Sananda must look uh, much more like his father, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I kind of thought Sananda is in the picture there. That I I put on the on the Trello board. Yeah. Um. There's the shot where he's obviously a little bit older, and the pictures I've got of Vishnu where he's just you know showing his muscle. Yeah. He's very young and fit and healthy. But I thought actually, uh, Sananda there did look a little bit like Yogananda in some of the pictures. You mm. know, it's his nose or mm. his eyes. Eyes. Uh, yeah. There. Yeah. But yeah. Very. Um. Very clearly all. Um, carrying the same genes and um, FAMU you know like I said there's not an awful lot mentioned um, you know certainly not an autobiography of Yogi but uh, online I did manage to find a bit on the diary that she had um, kept uh, and Priyank's going to be kind enough to to read read this um, diary of uh, Yogananda's younger yeah. sister of course. Very good find Chris. In her diary she wrote what he called her Pamul in front of the other members, he often lovingly called her Madhu when, I, when they were alone. Tamu wrote, I had a very high fever and my whole body was wrecked with pain. I had a headache, which was almost unbearable. I didn't want to worry father, so I said nothing. I helped him ready for the office as usual. I brushed his clothes and saw that he had everything he needed. As soon as he left the house, I managed just barely to reach my room to lie down. I placed a cover over me and collapsed and clasped my hands to my chest, praying to God that he would cure me of my fever and pain. I asked him to spare father any worry for me. I heard Medita coming downstairs and for a moment he glanced into my room. As I continued my silent prayer, I dozed off to sleep. Suddenly I was awakened by the gentle touch on my forehead. I opened my eyes. Medjita was standing over me with a sweet expression of compassion. I thought you had gone out, I said to him. When did you return? Oh, my sister, you are feeling so much pain. I knew you were praying to God to take away your pain so that father would not have to worry. So I came back. Just go to sleep now. Medjita stroked my forehead. His touch was so soothing. I soon felt the pain slipping away. I drifted off to sleep. I didn't awaken until early afternoon. When I got up, I discovered that the fever and all pain had vanished. Such a sweet story, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Like that he would stop by the room and uh, you know, already see and sense and 
know probably intuitively knowing just exactly what was going on so pretty pretty lovely story shared by Thamu very yeah very sweet um and it's it must be uh you could, one can't imagine what it would be like to be a sibling yeah. of of Yogananda uh obviously um Thamu is uh younger so she has this uh natural respect for the elder but uh, equally would, strange would have been the being the elder siblings, Sayananda and um, the other the elder elder sister. He's got one elder sister as well. Uh, so yeah, equally would have been um, uh, very strange being the elder elder brother or sister to um, Guruji, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about my sister and I growing up. Um, uh, we were probably more um antagonistic than this <laughs> but there were there were moments but um certainly that would have been some story um to 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 have and uh it was very sort of quietly shared by Samu who clearly had a very deep respect for Yogananda. When they um when they opened the Sirampur temple um they um this is the Swami Sri Yukteswar is like his um a temple dedicated to him in in Serampur. Why has this opened it? Tamu was actually still alive. This was in 1977. So when Dayamata dedicated the mandir, she was uh, one of the guests of honor, and she was there for that, which is quite nice. So if you uh, go to uh, go there, you'll, you I'm sure there's some pictures somewhere of her being there as well. When when did it open? 1977. This one. Okay. So in Serampur, and they've mm -hmm. just purchased. I believe they've purchased all of the land that Sri Yukteswar, you know, where his hermitage was. So in the coming years and uh, yeah, decades, I'm sure it will become a very big uh, retreat center and uh, accommodation for for pilgrimage seekers. Yeah, but Sananda would have been alive at the time as well. He actually passed in uh, 1979. Okay. Um, okay. But uh, whether he was there or not, I, I don't know. But just two years before he he passed, he would have heard of that or you know, yeah. known of that. I'm sure um, as well, which is nice. And um, he he was quite a close companion, really, of of Yogananda um, in his childhood. And uh, he himself had very much deep religious interest and had a creative spirit. That he was an artist, photographer, mechanic, architect, musician, um, and uh, an author. Finally. Uh, as well, and he uh, painted the uh, a portrait of the Nobel Prize-winning poet um, Tagore, uh, which received uh, you know worldwide acclaim. So he was um, he was very uh, very special uh, individual as well. And did it? Am I going to speak out of turn here? But did he paint the picture that's in the headquarters? Yeah, sort of headquarters. Of yeah, I think yeah. I think yeah, he's he's painted a couple of Yogananda paintings. Um, I think if I, um, he's he painted that one where he's standing with mm -hmm. a staff, and yeah, I think that's at uh, Mother him. Mother Center. Yeah, so yeah, so he's a very prominent painter, important for our, because he obviously captured. Uh, he knew him personally, so he captured more than mm. others others would perhaps. I love that picture. When I th when I saw that, it really struck me because he just he captured it really well where yogananda is the light isn't it the mm. light bringer and then there's just darkness all around it but there's yogananda as bright as it you know as, as the sun so mm. yeah super yes such a such a great um painting and portrait of yogananda and there's um 
there's again there's not much on Sananda really in depth um, in the autobiography of a yogi uh, but there is um, there are bits that we can share and uh, one of them maybe we can link it it's on the SRF website where there's a segment um, in, in Mejta where there's a story of how oh, Sananda and young Makunda were up to sort of you know no good they were being mischievous um disobeying again shock horror the, the elder <laughs> um and they were sort of picking lychees and doing things that um you know they, they were told not to do um after school and there's um a, a really interesting uh story that Sananda shared that essentially to summarize it the hearing Masha appeared to them both and said to Yogananda on no uncertain terms, you know, by your spiritual knowledge, you, you will deliver those who are suffering, but in ignorance and give a beautiful, mm. you know, very short speech and, and sort of, uh, and disappeared. So Yogananda, young Mukunda and Sananda sort of returned home, not knowing who it was, but Yogananda obviously sort of knew enough. And when he went, went back home, he got a picture and showed it to Sananda saying, you know, this is who that was when, when it was Lahir and Lashak. So, that, that's a great story and, and mm. uh, one that maybe we can share that link to the SRF website and people can read in more detail. Um, but there is there are a couple of bits that we can share on Sananda, Priyanka. Yes, there's um, really, I think that story that you mentioned, Chris, with Lehi Masha is also in Mejda as well. That's probably where they quoted yeah. it from. Uh, another story from Mejda, which uh, really um, highlights like an interaction that you would have with Another Dara, as we mentioned before. Um, here it's in Mejda, and um, he's talking about his samadhi states, and obviously curious, curious uh, bystander siblings, how they uh, yeah. responded to that. So this section is pretty nice. Um, so I'll start reading it. One day, when I was alone with Mejda, this is Sananda speaking, his younger brother, I asked him what samadhi was, and if I could see him in that state. At first, he hesitated, saying, you are too young. You wouldn't understand. Then he paused and said, all right, come to my room tonight after midnight. I had the lamentable childhood habit of wetting the bed at night. So father used to wake me up about that time and send me to the lecturing. Medda told me to be sure that father had gone back to sleep before I came to his room. Excited. I had no difficulty in remaining awake at that night. Vishnu, Thami and I slept on the floor of our father's room. He slept on a wooden cot. Nalini was married and living with her husband in her father-in-law's house. Majda slept in the middle bedroom. Father had sent me to the lat latrine and was sleeping soundly again when the clock struck twelve. I quietly got up and made my way to Medjita's room. He was sitting on his bed, meditating. A mat had been spread on the floor in front of his bed in readiness. He asked me to sit on it and then told me. Samadhi is withdrawing the mind from the body and merging it in God through a method of concentration. Salvation from this world of Maya is achieved through Samadhi. When the mind of the devotee becomes wholly absorbed in the sound that arises in the anahata chakra, or the, or the twelve-petaled lotus of the heart center, the center of feeling, then buddhi, or intellect, or the agna chakra, becomes pure and fixed on God. All motion in the body ceases. 
When Mejda finished singing, he sat completely motionless. The clock struck 1am. When by 2.30 he had not moved, I was becoming alarmed. I touched his body lightly and called his name, but he remained inert. I held my hand near his nostrils, but there was no sign of breath. I felt his chest, but there was no movement. Then I shook his shoulders firmly and called louder to him. Still no response. By now I was distraught. Fortunately, father awoke, as was his custom, at three o'clock. Seeing that I wasn't in Daru Halu, Chanu bed, he came to Mejda's room. In tears, I told him what had happened. Father sat beside Mejda and practiced pranayana, then touching, touching Mejda's chest. With one hand, he chanted, Om, softly in his ear. He continued this for more than half an hour. Finally, Mejda's body moved slightly. And after some time, he opened his eyes, but his consciousness remained withdrawn. Father gently massaged Mejda's body for a long time. It was almost dawn before Mejda returned fully to waking consciousness. Father told me to open the windows. Seeing Father beside him, Mejda felt very shy. Nothing was said. Father silently returned to his own room and I followed. Soon I was fast asleep. <laughs> and that was the end of that quite mystical experience. But wow. sure this is one of uh, many, many, many. This Om in the right ear is pretty fascinating because I think he told, he used to tell his, his disciples in, in, in Mother Center when he was in America later, if, if ever they want mm. him to come out of Samadhi to chant Om in his right ear. And famously, Dayamata did that when he took his Mahasamadhi, but this time he did not return. So uh, there must be something to this. But what a lovely story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's so much to unpack there, actually. You could, <laughs> you could talk about that for some time. <laughs> a podcast within a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's so that's so cool, isn't it? Um, and the fact that uh, his father knew, so you could say, well, hi, or, you know, how, how did the father knew? No, maybe... It had, it had happened before or somebody advised him or maybe he was you know, simply that advanced that he he knew either intuitively or through his own doing um, what to do. Yeah, a lot yeah. of speculation. Mm. Apparently, according to Medita, when, when Guruji went to um, USA, he, he says in Medita, I was to have gone as his companion and my papers were ready. But fate intervened. I an unexpected family matter required my presence at home. So, uh, imagine that sliding Sorry. doors, sliding doors moment, eh? If uh, Sananda had joined him in uh, America, mm. what? Uh, yeah, would have been pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess if you know it was meant to be, it would have it would have been made made <laughs> to happen really. Um, but that it didn't obviously it wasn't wasn't meant to be um and it's interesting you know <clears throat> how yogananda felt like you know he missed home a lot and um maybe he missed his family dearly that that may have been good on the face of it to have you know, have his brother there that he was so close to but um 
yeah, maybe maybe it could have made it more difficult. Who knows? Um, ultimately, but um, interesting, interesting parts. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much for pulling those out of Mejda Kriank. Um, Pleasure. Very kind. Um, now we're we're looking at the final paragraph, really, that we'll cover here on on this um, uh, on this episode, and really, it is. Um, uh, oh, sorry. No, I'm getting. No, ahead no. Of you, have to, you have to go back. Yes. Still, still going. Still lots to go in the previous. We're, we're, we're jumping ahead. We got carried away with the. <laughs> um, so, so we have um, we have Yogananda who was saying how he felt uh, desolation fall over him, um, and he was getting very close to his younger brothers and sister, and that he had really been um, crying his eyes out. It says, you know, he's cried floods of tears for two hours after he retreated to his, his attic. And this attic, you know, it's the famous attic where he says himself many scenes of his turbulent sadhana had taken place. Um, and interestingly, maybe as we can explain, you know, through through biology and chemistry that he, he says that the tears were an uh, al alchemical cleanser and so um there's lots of endorphins and things like that released in, in tears but uh, i'm sure you know at this point in his time uh, his um journey he really uh was quite emotional about leaving his family after his mother had passed and everything that uh, went along with that um so this was all but expected of a quite a young young boy or young man at this stage um, now, he said all attachment disappeared. I thought this was super interesting. The footnote that comes with it says that in the Hindu scriptures, they teach that the family attachment is delusive if it does prevent um, the devotee from seeking, seeking uh, God, essentially the giver of all boons, it says here, including, uh, including the one of loving relatives not to mention life itself. So Jesus similarly taught that he he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. I think actually that's quite a controversial line I've seen in in um, Christianity where people might look to say, well, you know, look, Jesus is trying to tear people away from, you know, their family and things like this. But um, whenever you put it into the context of what we're talking about here, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Um, really, that God is um, God is the you know, the giver of all the boon, giver of all boons. It says, um, and as we know in Arjuna, the battle that Arjuna had to wage, and he himself said that there were essentially family members, friends, and family standing opposite him in the, in the battlefield. So. We know that in the context of, of yoga, it makes makes perfect sense to, to wage that war, essentially. Correct. Mm. The um, I think we mentioned previously the the various varnashrams or the the um, various phases of one's life. Um, one of them is um, where you leave your family and join um, the hermitage of a guru and for for, for training and learning. Um, so it's you know this is kind of like this it's that 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 way of renouncing family to learn higher things concepts is in, it's almost embedded in the culture and obviously it sounds quite um, 
tough, doesn't it, to be a parent and uh, your child renouncing <laughs> your you? Um, but uh, it's there, and uh, it's in the in the Bible here as well as um, as, as as Guruji has quoted. But also um, later, as a, to temper that because it is quite hardcore, isn't it? <laughs> But to temper it later on in this chapter when um Sri, when he meets Sri Yukteswar, um Sri Yukteswar tells him to go back to his family doesn't he he says why exclude your um paraphrasing why exclude your love you know love, your family from your love of god um so there's that but i think the the essence of this is really that for example if you if if during your meditations you're thinking about your family and you're doing something doing something wrong right and if if um if uh, heaven forbid if your loved one passes away um and you know you you obviously grieve but if you if you let it if you let that grief completely ruin you emotionally and psychologically then really mm -hmm. this is exactly what he's um he, i think he's referring to here and um, my wife and i were just discussing this yesterday actually because um she had um she's got a there's a there's a school in um, india that teaches classical training and they wanted a volunteer for for quite a long period of time and so we did, she was really up for it and i said yeah of course you should you should go and then uh, and she was saying oh but you know so it's quite difficult for me and for us for the relationship um if you know we were to separate for such a long period of time it was you know it's two years and i said um well our, i said our marriage is uh we're, we're even though we're married we're we're renunciants in all but taking the actual formal vow so if there's a higher if there's a calling to do stuff like this the fact that we're married shouldn't um shouldn't um restrict you right um if guruji if guru calls you for a job um, um and your marriage if you can financially afford it if you, you know if your family if your family can handle it then there should be nothing to stop you um, so we, we're we're pondering over this kind of uh philosophy right now as we speak actually and it's, it's interesting that we're we're talking about it now in the in the book as well coincidence Priyank. <laughs> <laughs> like the right time just yesterday yeah. literally yeah it's the, yeah the little um note from guruji um to uh to help clarify it it's yeah it's it's awesome awesome uh lesson isn't it and i suppose we do this in, in many small ways you know you go to university you, you know you do leave your parents and um, you have to at some point sort of forsake and to some degree um if you want to try to get ahead in, in, in others, but um, it's, it's a beautiful lesson, you know, the, the ideas that um, Yogananda talks about in his lessons as well, right? He has um, uh, a lesson that touches on this, um, that you should essentially provide for your family. And if uh, you are lucky enough to have a family, then you know, they do have to be, um, yeah, kept uh kept in good um good health and, and all the rest of it to the best of your ability but um to retreat as often as possible into your your duties duties to god for mm. mm. um uh never never uh believe you um so we have um here yogananda going through this in quite a quick um quick time you know he's 
decided to, to, to leave uh, and he's talk, talking about it openly and he goes to his father then um, and he says that his resolution to seek God as the friend of friends became adamantine. Such a such an awesome statement, isn't it? Just became absolute resolute um, in his in his mind. Mm. The opening prayer that we have, um, you know, we, we recite all of our gurus and we say, Father, Mother, Friend, Beloved God. So that I love this paradigm of the friend in capital F of friends, the ultimate friend <laughs> uh, became, you know, his his resolution to seek that friend became adamantine. It's a really, really powerful concept mm. and notion of what a friend, <laughs> the, the ultimate relationship of what a friend is. Yeah. And given that Guruji was born into this family where, you know, with um, Hiram Ashaya being the guru of his parents, who better to understand this quest, <laughs> you know, than, than his father? Um, and after the story that we read from Mechta, he would have known really what was coming. You know, there's no mm. son that would be that advanced that wouldn't yeah. seek God more. Definitely, but I think he also has to play the role and play the Leela because he's got, you know, all these children and probably grandchildren at this time, maybe even. Um, so if he did if he played a renunciant father, <laughs> there wouldn't be all the little 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 ones need need some um you know, sense of uh, normalcy in the father because they've lost their mother already. So, um, you know, Mukunda had his experience in cosmic consciousness, you know, when, when he was much older, not when he was really young um, as a child. And similarly, so all these other children, even though they may be, you know, yogis later on, um, where as children, they need the security, you know, blanket yeah. of a regular family and and i think his father probably played to that uh, tune and hence he's playing this role even though he with all the experiences that we've you know we've heard in medita and other other he knows Mukunda's um um you know position and he knows mulari Masha's prophecy as well but uh, he still says this i make one last plea yeah yeah so he, he makes this plea father was distressed he says um, but you were saying, you're mentioning the sort of the, the children, you know, his children, uh, Guruji's brothers and sisters. Um, Guruji uses them, you know, this, this sort of plea, says, do not forsake me and your grieving brothers and sisters. And sort of a pause before the, um, before we started the, the podcast here, just so I was clear myself and maybe what this was meant to be, which, um, is uh, the acceptance of the brothers and sisters of Guruji's leaving, of, of him actually, you know, leaving to pursue this spiritual path. And he's saying that, you know, look, they, my brothers and sisters, they're grieving for me. You know, he was crying himself. Guruji was crying himself. And I imagine the tears were shared amongst his brothers and sisters. And he said to his father, you know, hey, you know, we've, we've already all accepted it. We need to, we need to move on essentially. Um, uh, in this in this quest mm. this um this i make one last plea and do not forsake me and your grieving brothers and sisters it's such a powerful emotional plea isn't it from a parent and you really feel that uh 
that emotional pull when you're reading this line. Um, and the next line that follows, it just, it just knocks everything out of the park, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. How can I tell my love for you, revered father? But even greater is my love for the heavenly father who has given me the gift of a perfect father on earth. Let me go that I someday return with a more divine understanding. It's going to the highest of all universities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a uh, red highlighter for certain. What a, what a lot powerful line. <laughs> can you yeah. imagine if you're... Can you imagine if your child said such a wonderful line? Mm. No, it's it's um, it's uh, you know wisdom and and uh, knowledge beyond his beyond his years. Really, um, at that point, I'm sure there was. Uh, he doesn't say how his father really responded, um, uh, apart from with reluctancy. Uh, so he says with reluctant parental consent, he uh, set out to join his friend Chitindra. Um, he was already in Benares uh, in the ashram. Um, so, yeah, the father, you can imagine with sort of a heavy head, you know, said, yeah, um, he has his blessings um, and off, off Yogananda then goes onto this new journey. So really a really, really pivotal sort of small section there, you know, in, in this, uh, you know, longer substantial chapter. Um, but we uh, we sort of turned the page, as it were, on on that um, part of Yogananda's life where he was was growing up, and he you know tried to run away many times, and you know we we covered that in good detail uh, before, where um, Yogananda was you know struggling to sort of flee to the Himalayas, and, and now he's uh, more of uh, a younger man. He's he's really went as an adult and asked for consent to leave and he's been granted it so we sort of put that chapter of Yogananda's life behind us in some way um, and we look we look forward so here we have um, I'll, I'll say it correctly this time the the final part of um, this uh, this part of the chapter that we're going to cover um, and it is this cordial greeting that uh, Yogananda received so he arrived um uh, and was greeted uh, cordially. He arrived at the um, uh, hermitage and was greeted cordially by Swami Dhyananda. And he was described as Yogananda here as tall, thin, a thoughtful man. And he was um, very impressed, Yogananda, very impressed by Swami Dhyananda. Uh, and his face was, is described as Buddha like composure. Um, and there's a, a lovely, I saw online, if anybody wants to do it, you can kind of quickly Google it. And, and find um, a, a drawing, I think uh, this one is, of um, Swami Dhyananda um, in lotus posture and um, with his garm and his hair tied up, so longer hair tied up and you know, a bit of a goatee going on there, <laughs> like a very sort of you know, soft face and very, very young, very young uh, person there. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's nice to bring that to life. But we have um, maybe a couple of bits to read uh read on Swami Dhyananda Priyak. Yes. So as we mentioned previously, there's a picture of his guru, Swami Gyanananda, written in the book. Um, so Swami Dhyananda looks a bit like his guru, actually. He's copied his hairstyle a little bit. <laughs> but Swami Gyanananda's hairstyle is fantastic, mm -hmm. isn't it? 
lock dreadlocks like wound up into a massive bun. <laughs> um, but yeah, Swami Satyananda um, talks about this, um, you know, faith the 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 meeting between these two uh, souls, um, and and he writes when they first met, Mukunda was very drawn to the ever youthful, radiant, tranquil, countenanced young Swami Dayananda. It seemed that he was the model of the renunciant life. Within a short while, both became endeared to each other. The intellectual Brahmin progeny, Dayananda, ignored his BA exams, wrote some spiritual tenets on the test paper, left home and began to live as a disciple sadhak at his feet of his guru, Swami Dayananda. So with the financial help of the Indian government, Swami Gyananda Maharaj, found, uh, who had founded a Brahma Vidyala College yeah. of Divinity in Benares, its philosophy based on the fact that all religions were reflected in the model of uh, Sanatan Dharma, the universal religion, and to run the operations of that school. He had been training Swami Dayananda uh, unbeknownst to the masses, the visionary and dedicated teacher Dayanandaji attended, attained an exalted level of, sorry, exalted level in the world of education. His deeply knowledgeable Bengali and Hindi talks and scriptural lectures were listened to by captivated audiences. The, the being and character of Dayananda seized Mukunda with fervor. Mm. So, so a little bit, bit more about uh, Swami Dayananda, which uh, neither of us could find much about him. But uh, thankfully, Swami Satyananda has given us a little bit. And it's also kind of later on, we, we hear that Swami Dayananda, you know, was out on travels, various, doing various meetings, and on various matters of business, and you can kind of see what he was doing here, giving talks and uh, things like that, education, yeah. and yeah, pretty cool it guy. Have, would have been a very powerful time in in Mukunda's life, and you know, one of great change that he was, um, you know, finally sort of going out on his on his own um, and seeking spiritual discipline, as he as he puts it, and he certainly finds it. Uh, in um, in this hermitage, we're going to delve into a little bit more about his experiences in future uh, episodes, future podcasts. So um, certainly some nice pictures um, included there. So do check them out in the book if you do have it. If you do, if you don't have it, you know, jump online. There's there's some um, great pictures online to bring bring it all to life um, for us. But uh, so that concludes this part of chapter ten. Um, we will continue as always um, next time. Mike will be back and leading and Lauren, I believe, will be, be with us as well. So we'll be back to full strength um, next next time. But Priyank, is there anything you would want to cover? Yeah, just this one-to-one uh, -one podcast, Chris. Hasn't really, hasn't been too bad, actually. I thought, oh no, I have to talk a lot. But it hasn't yeah, it's been. All right, I was, you know, I was, I was worried actually um i have a cold so i was worried i was going to be coughing halfway through so you're going to going to be left sort of <laughs> yeah. 
picking up the slack uh, just on your own. It was just going to be a one-man podcast. But maybe um, you, you found that uh, you found that story of Tamil being ill and uh, Makunda, yeah, yeah. Makunda healing him. You, you must have taken it to heart. <laughs> and your, your, your voice is held up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, fun so, inspiration. But no, it's it's worked out okay, hasn't it? And um, um, you know, obviously the guys are are deeply missed. But so, um, should we? Do you think we should start a spin-off podcast? I, I'm just happy, Prank. You didn't <laughs> too many too many hospital passes because there's no one else. To, there's no one else to get them. Um, <laughs> usually, I try to flop them off the mic. Um, <laughs> He's always good for a difficult question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, they'll they'll be back next time. So we'll yes. be of course. So thanks yes. to everybody for joining. Jagger. Jagger. Jagma. Jagma.